Y'all, today, March 3rd, 2020, the day this episode is premiering, today, today is the last day of my 20s. Oh! Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the best decade, well, one of the best decades of your life. Oh my goodness. It's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. You know, that really does make me feel better. Um, Well, before we launch into our discussion, just a few, you know, preliminaries here. This is Bell Curve. I am Liz Bashirs, joined by my co-hosts, Rachel Blackman-Byers and Mary Scott Hunter. We are so thankful for your listenership this week and every week. And thank you so much to our patrons on Patreon who support us. We have a, a bevy of different levels starting at just $3. We have some fantastic conversations going on over there and some little bonuses for, for those of you who decide to become patrons. And, and as Mary Scott said last week, you know, this is something that is always going to come to you for free but it's not free for us to produce so we really really appreciate those of you who are able to chip in just a few bucks every month next week is our book club week very exciting we're going to be discussing atomic habits by james clear i really found it to be an incredibly valuable book and i think you will too so go ahead and pick it up and then give it a read but tomorrow i turn 30 which is one of those ages (laughs) Oh dear! All the forty, all our, all our forty, fifty, sixty-year-old listeners are like, oh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> but it's it's one of those ages that seems like it's so far in the future, your entire life. But now that it seems here, it kind of feels like it's no big deal and a huge deal at the same time. Mm. You know, so much changed in my twenties. I I graduated college, got married, bought two houses, moved way too many times lost my dad and my father-in-law, spent some significant time mourning, changed jobs a couple times. And then one of the biggest accomplishments of my 20s, I think, was I finally got comfortable in my own skin. That was a huge change compared to the person I was coming into my 20s versus the person I am moving out of my 20s. But what I want to talk about today, and I do have birthday girl prerogative here, is... (laughs) (laughs) what would you tell your younger self more specifically what would you tell yourself at half your age to to tell yourself the person who is half your age I think this will be fun because at half my age I was 15 in high school I was starting that next year I was starting at the Alabama School of Math and Science which is a public boarding school down in Mobile Alabama which was five and a half hours away from home so it was a very big Big time in my life, huge change. I think Rachel, you had just started college, and Mary Scott, you were just out of college, right? I'm, I'm doing the math right there, right? Yep. So then, like now, we were at pretty different stages of life, figuring things out, learning how to be ourselves. And I think we'll go youngest to oldest, since even though I am in my 30s, I'm still the youngest. So here are the things I'd tell myself, and I think there are a lot of lessons in these things that I'd tell myself that could apply to. 15-year-olds who, who might be listeners or who might be the, the children of listeners. So I hope you get something valuable out of these. They were really fun to write up. The first thing I tell myself, you're about to embark on an incredible adventure. I know that sounds cliche, but ASMS, where I spent ages um, 15 through 18, there I learned independence, good study habits, how to dissect a sheep's heart, how to titrate a solution, and most importantly was how to interact with and love people who were different from me. It was a kind of place that was very, very diverse in a whole lot of ways, unlike the town I grew up in. Now, the town I grew up in is a very sweet town, but everybody 
looked like me, thought like me, and acted like me to a large extent. So going into a new place where there were so many, there's diversity of opinions, diversity of backgrounds. There were, for the first time in my life, I was interacting with people who weren't white like me. And it was just such an enriching experience and one that I don't think I would have gotten until college otherwise. So one of the things I would like to tell myself if I could talk to my younger self would be start that earlier, make it purposeful to interact with people who aren't just like you, because it'll enrich your life in ways that, that you, you can't even understand at first. Number two, you are not fat. Chill out, girl. You are beautiful and healthy and your knees don't click when you run up and down stairs. But for goodness sakes, eat a vegetable and drink something besides Diet Dr. Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) I think your 15-year-old self drank a lot of Diet Dr. Pepper. Uh, My 30-year-old self drank a lot of Diet Dr. Pepper. (laughs) It was even more than. (laughs) What you eat and how you move your body are a big part of what determines how you feel. Put good in and you'll feel good. Put junk in and you'll feel like garbage. Your back problems you've been struggling with? They'll pretty much go away if you focus on flexibility, core strength, and drinking tons and tons and tons of water. My back feels better today than it did when I was 15 by a significant amount, but it wasn't without making conscious decisions to make it feel better. There was there was a time I threw my back out when I was 15 for the first time really badly, and I'd known I'd had um, scoliosis for a couple of years, but it, some of those problems first started manifesting themselves when I was about 15. And I was really scared. It's like, if, if at 15, I'm in this much pain, what is it going to look like when I'm a little bit older? What is it going to look like when I have kids and I can't pick them up because I can't lift anything more than 20 pounds? I mean, that it was, it was terrifying to me in a lot of ways, but, and the doctors weren't a whole lot of help, honestly. They're like, well, all we can really do is give you a pain pill. But by going to a physical therapist for a while, finding a good chiropractor, and then making huge adjustments to the way I fuel and hydrate myself, I've gotten to a place where it's in the back of my mind, but it, you know, I haven't thrown out my back in, I think, seven years now. So it's, it's a huge deal. I, it is so depressing when you are in physical, physical pain. And it, 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 I mean, it can, it can lead to some really bad outcomes mentally, emotionally, you know, spiritually. So yes, trying to avoid, there is nothing wrong with trying to avoid physical pain. Now I'm not talking about exercise and soreness through exercise and that sort of, but physical pain. Yes. Doing the things that you need to do to be able to keep your body fit very important, not just for your body, but for all sorts of things. Number three, your high school years will be the best years of your life, but so will your college years. So will your young married years. You'll have ups and downs through them all, but they're a gift and they are the best years of your life no matter what happens. Each age, each season will have a flavor. You will have a set of friends and adventures and disappointments and wins and losses, heartbreaks and mountaintops. The lows will give sweetness to the highs and the memories of good times will be a balm in the valleys. But even though every year is the best year of your life, don't think that you'll never get back to that mountaintop. Number four, would you quit being so boy crazy? Goodness gracious. (laughs) (laughs) Take a look at all the other advice I gave you. Just chill out, man. At age 20, you'll meet the cutest ginger boy in the world, fall fall madly in love, and marry him in less than three years. God's got you. Just trust in him. Number five, and y'all, I'm just going to say this and I'm going to leave it at that. 
don't eat the hot ham and cheese sandwich in the Cozumel airport on the way home from your honeymoon. <laughs> Biggest mistake ever. <laughs> I think there's a story there. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like coming back from your honeymoon and starting starting married, married life in your one bathroom apartment. Oh, my God. It was so bad. <laughs> anyway... Enough about Liz's GI issues. Rachel, what would you tell your, yourself at half your age? I think if I could hop in a time machine, and like you said, I'd be, I would have been 18 years old at half my age right now. Number one, I've got two things I'd say. Number one is a quote from John Maxwell, and dang if it isn't the truest thing I've ever heard. He says, the next stage of life always requires a better you. The next stage of life always requires a better you. As I've gotten older, I've observed the wisdom and truth in that. Each stage of life truly has required a better me than the previous stage. Whether I was actually better or not, it required it. So those times I've let myself fall into bad habits, I've come to realize how destructive that is beyond just in that moment or in that stage because small, easy, bad choices will make me weaker for the next stage, which, like Maxwell says, requires a better me, a stronger me, a me that is closer to God, not a weaker me, not a worse version of myself. And I haven't gone into this too much on Bell Curve, but in my young 20s, once I graduated and moved to Virginia for my first job as a TV reporter, Pepper and I uh, got pregnant with our oldest daughter, Annabelle, and we weren't married, and I would not change anything about how that has turned out. I shudder to even call that situation a mistake because there are no words for what the world would be lacking without Annabelle in it. She's my best friend. She's the light of our lives. I am so grateful for her life. But becoming a mother at 22, getting married, dealing with a sense of mourning and loss for what I thought could and would have been my life had I not made that quote mistake was hands down the hardest thing I had ever been through up to that point in my life. And persevering through that stage required a better me than just a few years previously when I was 18. And every single stage I've been through since, even though life does get richer and more joyful and even more enjoyable in many ways, it it does get harder too. So my advice to my 18-year-old self and to myself now is to take very close care to make the small, good, difficult decisions that will make me stronger, not weaker for the next stage. And the second thing I'd say would be to learn to recognize that that relentlessly critical voice in your head, the inner critic who will not let you live down your mistakes and who points out all the ways you fall short, the one calling you an imposter, that voice is the real imposter. And it sure as heck isn't the voice of God. Y'all, for the longest time, I did not know how to speak kindly to myself or give myself even an inch of compassion. My thoughts truly were just like a flagellation fest. (laughs) You know, stuff like, oh, look how you hurt that person's feelings. How could you do that? Or, you know, people don't like you, right? They're just pretending. Or, gosh, this one was a big one. Beating myself up even for just being tempted to do wrong, even if I never even actually did the wrong thing. I was mad at myself for just being tempted. <laughs> so for- That's your one wing right there, oh, yeah. Rachel. Oh, yeah. So forget about if I actually did some, if I did fail, if I did mess up, then I was just merciless with myself. And it wasn't really until my later 20s that I started getting really interested in emotional intelligence and studying that. 
And the idea of self-awareness, Daniel Goldman is the author of the foundational book on emotional intelligence. And he really puts forth that the idea of self-awareness is just a huge piece of having emotional intelligence. And studying that made me aware for the first time that there wasn't anything wrong with me. Thousands of other people wired like I was felt the same way, struggling with this perfectionist inner critic. And I think a lot of people listening are probably nodding their heads in agreement. So I had to confront that reality of my makeup and my wiring and realize that I could and I must change my life by changing my thoughts. And I had to learn to listen to and recognize God's loving voice whispering in my heart rather than the critical voice shouting insults at me. And I wish I had known how to do that sooner. I think I could have avoided some truly unnecessary mental and emotional pain. Absolutely. I know we've talked a lot about different types of self-awareness tools a lot on this show. I, I'm with you, Rachel. I wish we could, I could go back and, and teach myself how not to be such a little jerk sometimes, <laughs> not only to myself, but to other people as well. There is, there is nothing like the tool of, of knowing yourself and knowing how you're going to react in a, in a situation to be able to prepare yourself to, to not do the the gut reaction thing and then hurt somebody's feelings, which I, I know I've struggled with before and, and not do the gut reaction thing and criticize myself as well. Okay. Is it my turn? Is it, is it time for the, uh, for the, for the 47 year old? You're so young for 47. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I was starting law school at 23 or so and 23 and a half. And I probably would have told my 23-year-old self to look around and look at other career options. Not that I don't love being a lawyer, not that I don't love the career I've had. I do. And I love where I am now. But I know this. I never really looked I did not look around at other options before going to law school. Law school was my single focus all through college, and I got there and I did it. But I think one mistake that a lot of young people make is going, they get fixated on a route, and that's the route they go, and they don't do a lot of career exploration. We were trying to fix that with our own children. You always try to fix the mistakes that you made, but not push things on your kids necessarily, but we are trying to help our kids get lots of opportunities to explore just different avenues, different different things you can do. Like, I don't know anything about certain career fields, but that doesn't mean those career fields aren't open to our kids. So I would tell my myself at that age, just maybe take a year off and do a little career exploration. See what else is out there. Go shadow uh, some some professionals in different careers to see if you like it. And anyway, that's something I would have told myself. The second thing is recognize bad people quickly. I came across bad people and I think that one mistake that I've made over the years is not recognizing that they're bad and then just knowing that in the way that they influence me, I, I would, I would try to rationalize. I would try to be, uh, I don't know. I would let whatever was coming at me from them be internalized in me. And that's not good. Bad. I had, I had a particularly bad experience in Korea with a boss that I had. He was a bad guy and I could go into why he was a bad guy, but he was a bad guy. And he, he really was just not a great, 
a staffed advocate and he was not a great lawyer. He was not a great anything, but he was, he was in fact a bad guy. And I internalized a lot of that and it affected me for a really long time. So I would tell my 23, 24 year old self, recognize bad people. If you can get away from them, get away from them. If you can, uh, if you can't get away from them and you have to work for them or with them, don't internalize what they're saying and doing because they're bad, but you don't have to internalize it. Mm, that, that makes sense. That is so hard. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, bad people are going to come across your path until forever, you know, forever and ever. So recognize bad people right away as fast as you can. Don't be afraid of being who you are, Mary Scott. Don't be afraid of who being who you are. You have curly hair. You're kind of bossy. You kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Those are the first two things that make Mary Scott, Mary Scott. Curly hair and bossy. <laughs> you need a t-shirt. <laughs> I know I do. I, I, I would straighten my hair. I would try to be meek and mild. I, and I'm just, yeah, try to, I would try to be things that I'm just not be who you are. Be honest, you know, say things that are honest and straightforward and be, be who you are. Don't try to fit yourself into the mold of someone else. Be, be who you are. That's going to keep you straight. That's going to keep your head straight. That's going to let people know who you are. If they don't want to be your friend or, you know, if they don't want to be with you or they don't want to hire you once they know who you are, you don't want to be, you don't want to be in that relationship anyway. I, gosh, that is such a, that's so important. I wish I had said something like that on my list too. Goodness gracious. It's something I've always struggled with too. And I, I wish I had said something about it too, but I'm six feet tall. I'm a big person and I have a pretty big personality. And for a long time, I really struggled with the amount of space, both physical and presence wise that I can take up in a room and would try to like shrink myself down physically and uh, emotionally. Um, <laughs> I would, you know, slouch and keep my comments to myself and not say the things that I was thinking when, when at the appropriate time. But what changed it for me is the first couple of years of marriage, I would, I'd, we'd be in a social situation and I would make a funny comment, but not loud enough to where anybody else could hear it. But the person next to me, usually my husband, and then he'd say it with confidence and everybody would laugh. And I was like, wait, I'm funny. That was my idea. <laughs> You don't get credit for that. <laughs> and and so I that was just you know one one example of of many ways that I feel like I've stepped into the presence of who I am in the last couple of years. But there's so much confidence that can come from realizing, hey, I am who I am. I can work on the stuff that isn't fantastic, but I should really embrace who I am as a person and not shrink away from it. Yeah, that's right. And I'm not suggesting that there aren't parts of our lives that we need to improve on or that we, you know, that we that that we shouldn't improve and be constantly thinking about being better, um, being being nice when we've been mean, being being polite when we've when, when we have a maybe have a tendency to be rude or, you know, those sorts of things. I'm talking really more about okay, you're six feet tall, Liz. You're never not going to be six feet. Well, maybe you will, but you know, you're never not going to be tall. Just, just, that is who you are. I'm never not going to have curly hair. Never, ever. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I mean, I guess I could have no hair, but I'm never not going to have, <laughs> I'm never not going to be a person that has, that struggles with their weight. I'm never not going to be a person that is, um, you know, has a tendency to want to direct traffic. <laughs> That's kind of my personality. So, 
knowing those things about yourself, accepting those things about yourself is the first step to being better. Number four, I want to say this. When you meet, when you meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright and before they, you know, Mary Scott, this is me talking to my 23 year old self. When you meet what you think is Mr. Wright, be nice to him. Be nice to him. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all. Don't boss him around. Yes, don't boss him around. Poor John. Poor John. You know, I, I, I think about how I, you know, like I, I have a way of saying, well, that's not how you load the dishwasher. That's not where your wallet goes. That's not, you know, that's like pronouncing things that are really my opinion, like they're facts. You know, it's actually not a fact that that's how the dishwasher is loaded or unloaded. I mean, these are so I I would say to myself at 23, 24, be nice to Mr. Wright because, you know, Mr. Wright might go away if you're not nice to him. And so I would tell myself to be nice. I think that's probably about it. I I I'm happy with where life has brought me. I'm I'm I have three children. I have a wonderful husband. I have a wonderful career. But I do think that if I look back on those times, this was a great question, Liz, to make you think. And I bet it's making our curvies out there think too, because there are some things that if you could go back and tell yourself that then, you probably don't still need to tell yourself that today. Well, and you said something several episodes ago, Mary Scott, that has stuck with me. It just was a good way of putting into phrase what I think I've been doing for a while. And that is to project yourself 10 years into the future and think and then work yourself back from what you would want at that point. What do you need to be doing beforehand to get there? And I, and I think that if I could go back again to being 18, 19, 20, I would say, what you're going to be going through this next 10 years with lots of little kids and establishing a marriage, you're going to be so grateful for some of those sacrifices when you get into your, your 30s. So just enjoy it and, and know that that's laying a good foundation. And so now in my late 30s, I'm thinking ahead to really, Mary Scott, more like where you are. And, you know, what do I need to be doing now that I'll be grateful I did at that stage? I'm so glad that helped. I do think think thinking about where you want to be is the first step in in getting there. You cannot get to a place unless you can picture yourself being there. Thank you so much for indulging me and and participating in this conversation with us at Bell Curve on 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 turning thirty and and what we would tell our younger selves. If you would like to buy me a little birthday gift, hop over to patreon.com slash bellcurvepod and check out the different levels. They start at just $3 and it would really mean a lot to the three of us. If you would just jump in and and support Bell Curve. We love putting the show together for you. It is a wonderful time that we get to have fellowship with each other and we hope it provides value for you as well. You can find us on the socials at Bell Curve Pod, on our website at bellcurvepodcast.com, and we hope you'll t- tune in next week. Liz. Yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, Happy birthday, Liz. Happy birthday to a wonderful you. person. I love you both so much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.